what's great, and this is a lot of the thesis behind Unbound, is that this is a lot more exciting than a theoretical design project where you don't build anything, you don't make anything, it, it doesn't exist, it's just an essay that gets read by the supervisor. So having people that are part of the team that are really excited by it is great. And not only the students who are you know, loving it and pro progressing really well, but the people around it, the people in the workshop and the technical labs that are going to help us up do all the welding and the, the powder coating and make it look beautiful. Welcome to the Everyday Changemakers podcast. I'm your host, David Glanis. On the podcast, I interview everyday changemakers to learn more about their story, how they began, and what challenges that they had along the way. With this podcast, I hope to inspire other people to take action on the things that they're passionate about to make the world a healthier, safer, and more inclusive place. Julian, welcome to the Everyday Changemakers podcast. Great to join you. To kick things off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm an engineer by training and I run a social enterprise called Unbound. So a lot of our focus is on education and innovation projects. So trying to get students out of the lecture theatre, focusing with universities and working on real world projects, but focusing across the Asia Pacific region. So whether that's hanging out in a rural Nepali village or working with tech startups in India. And that's the kind of stuff I'm working on. Amazing. And how did you get started? So I'm a country kid. I grew up in remote South Australia. And I don't know, for people that don't know Australia, it's a huge country and can get properly remote. So just to clarify, I was about a five hour drive to the nearest traffic light. And yeah, my school was so small that my maths class was just me on the phone to a teacher 800 kilometers away. So moving to uni was a big deal for me where I went and studied engineering and that was really cool. It was a chance to actually, you know, meet with friends and have connections with people that have a shared interest. And from there, yeah, my career took a path via being an engineer and then wanting to move towards the not-for-profit and social impact sector. That's awesome. And you, this is not the first thing you've started. It looks like you've started a a bunch of other initiatives. Could you tell us a little bit about the first thing that you started? Sure. I think that the idea of starting things and bringing things to life is it's a bit like a muscle. So over time you get better at it. So look, I don't necessarily have one first thing. It's not like my first thing was a venture or a business, but when I was at uni, I certainly, you know, really liked the idea of making projects happen. So I was involved in clubs and societies. And uh, one thing that comes to mind is I was I really liked that club culture and, and, you know, being part of communities. I actually liked it so much that I dug through the archives to see what the society I was involved with used to be like. And back in the 1940s, they would run this event where they would get a long piece of rope and challenge the med students to a tug of war across the, the river. So I convinced the club that was money well spent. So we bought a piece of rope and behind the universities, the, the Torrens River and we brought that back and we're challenging the med students for this weird and wacky game where someone ends up wet in the river. That's awesome. Did you participate in it? Did you? There were, there were a lot of big lads and lasses and much stronger than I. So I was the one in the boat on the megaphone in the middle, kind of being the, the, the referee and the, the judge. That's but awesome. as silly and fun as that is, I think that they're the skills that certainly gives you the confidence. That's a project that costs $500 to do and the stakes couldn't be much lower. And I think that's something that has certainly helped my career as I've started to develop more kind of social impact and, and, and bigger projects. 
the big one that kind of set me on the direction that I'm on now is my, my first job after university was working for the Australian government as an engineer. And after a few years of doing that, I'm like, this isn't quite for me. Took a year off in the way that Australians tend to do rather than you know, find a new job on the internet. It's let's go traveling. So I spent a year with a backpack traveling from Southeast Asia. So from Thailand to Turkey, um, entirely overland. So just buses and trains the whole way. And really felt that as a year to work out what I wanted to do. I'd meet with different organizations and groups and yeah, that very much set the direction for my career. And what were some of those experiences that you had that helped kind of shape? I think I know what I, what I want to do now. Look, it's really, there's something, there is something in that idea that you can't be what you can't see. So a lot of it was just seeing great organizations that you wanted to emulate. Like this person is doing something really cool. This, this project's really interesting. And for me, what I discovered is that while I like the technical side, the design side of, of my background, it's really where it intersects with people that I get most excited. So seeing projects like I visited a group in Mexico called Ilu Mexico, and they're doing rural solar electrification, just the most disadvantaged, most remote groups in the country and getting them connected to the grid and being able to see some of that work was just really powerful. But I also decided I really love the education side of things. So being able to communicate these ideas was key for me. So when I finished that year of travel and adventure, I came back and actually found a way to make all those things align and joined a humanitarian engineering organization called Engineers Without Borders and spent a lot of years there working on education projects, on research projects and yeah, technology for good. That is awesome. We are all about technology for good on this podcast. So can you tell us a bit about Unbound and what, 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 what's the core kind of elevator pitch for university students? Yeah, so having worked for some years in this not-for-profit and education sector, I really thought there was an opportunity to invent education in a way that I thought um, would be really impactful. So Unbound's based on the foundation that if you're only doing a university assignment to get a good mark, that's fine, but only kind of pulls one of those motivation levers. Some people are complex and, and different. So we wanted to design something where you could work on something that mattered to you as an individual. So individuals can help shape the projects they work on. If you can work on something which makes a real contribution. Most assignments, I'm in the uni sector, that get written up, they get read, they get marked, and they get shredded. It's not like anything's changing because of it. The change comes from the individual. Whereas I wanted something where people could actually make something bigger and worthwhile. The other big part is that I think there's something really powerful about travel, about connecting with cultures and people from different backgrounds. So, you know, I did, an, I did a degree and every single minute of it was delivered on this small campus in the city. There was nothing that, that was, you know, next door, even though there was great projects happening down the road, around the corner, businesses in the streets. So just this idea that you can learn from people that aren't someone with a doctor in their name and someone who's written a textbook, that there's a lot of other sources of knowledge and wisdom out there. So I mixed all that into a, to a bucket and said, look, I think there's something in this. And that's where Unbound plays a role, to work with unis and to get students doing projects and initiatives like that. That's awesome. And, and what, are, what are some of the key projects that university students get to work on? So it varies um, country to country where we, where we head. So earlier this year, over the Australian summer, we we're in Nepal, which is a place that's very close to my heart. I'm in a place that I've been going for many years now. So the 
project that we worked on there was around a technology and build project around designing and making a bamboo electric cargo bike. Cargo bike. So it's a beautiful design. Bari is the organization that hosted us. And the idea was bamboo is this beautiful, strong local material. How do we help people move and transport things and other people through Kathmandu and, and surrounds? If you've been to Kathmandu, it's a beautiful city, but the air pollution is just awful. A mix of, of dirt and cars and fumes. So this is trying to make a contribution to that. What if we can move more clean, more green, and in a way that just looks stunning as well. It's amazing. I was lucky enough to go to Kathmandu and did the Everest Base Camp track a, a few years back now. Beautiful so, country. That, so that project is incredibly interesting. How and given you have the expertise of, of being an engineer and um, project manager in the past, how do you go about organizing that and also filtering, building that bike and that program is one thing, but also then creating an education program around it. How does that work? So like everything, everything starts small. I'll talk to the, the technology and design piece because that's where I've been focused on due to COVID-19. I spent the last few months here in Melbourne and not allowed too far out. So look, I really like sustainable transport. As someone who travels a lot, I think it's really important to find a way to do it in an environmentally friendly way. So look, a bit of this stuff comes out of necessity, a bit of it comes out of just opportunity. So the project I've been working on here um, involves the electric kick scooters. So these things that are popping up around the world in different cities, often there's a scooter share system. My thinking was, look, these are really energy efficient. They don't take much power. Could you power these by the sun? Could you make these solar? And the challenge, of course, is they don't have a roof. They don't have a much surface area. So I designed a solar version for them where the panels mount on the, the front of the scooter and they can be angled so it's aerodynamic when you ride, not collecting the sun. But when you park, they fold flat and they can poke into the sky and collect the sun and charge up that way, tinkering and inventing. But how do you do it? In this environment, we can't run our overseas programs. We can't get groups together. So to try to reframe your thinking into what can be done here. You know, what resources do you have available? And one of the most magical things that we all have, we almost all have these days, is access to all the information in the world via the internet. Yeah, for me, it was just that idea. Wouldn't it be cool if? And then starting to talk to the experts and um, find the research that can connect the dots. That's awesome. And taking that solar bike project as an example, what were, how did university students approach that? And what were some of the key outcomes in terms of their learning on the program? Yeah, one program which I think highlights that really well in the world of solar and transport. I'm working with some final year students at the moment at Monash University. And we have an ambitious goal. We're trying to set the land speed record the fastest solar powered bicycle. Now what's different about this than all the other electric bikes out there which are amazing and coming out in force is this is a pure solar bike so there's no battery in it. It can even be set so you can't pedal just to show the, what happens when the sun shines and the vehicle moves. What's great and this is a lot of the thesis behind Unbound is that this is a lot more exciting than a theoretical design project where you don't build anything, you don't make anything, it, it doesn't exist, it's just an essay that gets read by the supervisor. So having people that are part of the team that are really excited by it is great. And not only the students who are you know, loving it and pro progressing really well, but the people around it, people in the workshop and the technical labs that are going to help us up do all the welding and the 
the powder coating and make it look beautiful, they're excited by it as well. And I think that's a bit of a secret to life. But if you do something that's genuinely interesting, then people will want to help you. People will want to get involved with it. So it doesn't actually make things harder to have ambitious projects. I actually think it can make a lot of things easier. That's awesome. I, I know when I was going through university, it was all theory and I know I started a business about two and a half years ago. And I think I learned more during that two years than I think a lot of my schooling combined and getting in and doing things, I think is so important. It's true. And I think that bit about a lot of these things, there's, there isn't that much kind of risk to them, but you know, just by doing it is great experience. Spot on. I think that, yeah, launching a business is about the fastest just like can ever do for sure and interested to know about a lot, a lot of the the projects are working on really interesting ideas do you ever turn them into social enterprises or is there a pathway to that as part of the program we've had a lot of different approaches there about what happens at the end of it a lot of the times we're trying to support communities overseas so they are already part of a social enterprise initiative so it's not necessarily from our end that these things spin off but rather that they support projects and initiatives there. One approach that we do a lot is open sourcing. So developing and prototyping ideas and then making them available to the world. One example of that where it was an ambitious project, but I didn't have the intention to make it a business, but other people did, was we built, and you're gonna hear a bit of a theme for what I like in life, we built a took inspired by Thailand and turned that into a renewable green solar electric machine. And that was a quirky and fun project and brilliant for outreach, turning up in communities and schools and getting kids excited by this weird and wacky vehicle. But we've been approached by, I think, we would have passed at least 10 countries now where individuals are looking to set that up in their own context. And we've shared all of our designs and supported them to do that. So that's something we certainly love to do is support different social enterprises develop. And that's a pathway that we love. I'm actually the social enterprise incubator coordinator at the University of Melbourne. It's really cool to see new ideas start, form and, and grow. That's amazing. It, it seems like you're involved in so many different aspects of social change. That's yeah, I think it, all of it, a lot of it comes down to just turning ideas into action. I think that's the, the strength and my big areas of interest that everyone out there has a lot of ideas, great ideas. And I just really enjoy supporting people turn them into something real and something that can become real. Absolutely. And back to that first example you gave us about the, the tug of war at the medical school. What advice do you have for if there's university students listening or other people who are super passionate about something but not sure where to start? You know, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, I've given this a bit of thought, actually. And with that tuk-tuk project, for example, that was an idea that struck while I was in Thailand. And these days, because we do everything via chat, you can actually go and read through the archives to see where projects really began. And that one, I looked back and literally the first thing I did to make this real was I messaged a friend of mine who's always up for a bit of a crazy adventure and said, hey, I want to build a solar powered took, are you in? Question mark. And he responded, yes. And I think that's a good start. Like finding someone who will help you because that makes it a bit less scary. It stops being my project and becomes our project. You can then say, we are working on this thing. And that just helps. It just helps that it's not you out there in the world, which can feel pretty scary. So look, step one, I would say, is find someone or one or two people to help you and support you. And make it easy. Choose people that you think are the most likely to say yes in your life. And from there, look, 
just research and look and start because there's so much great information out there. And you'll be surprised that if you've got an interesting and niche and side topic, the people that also share that interest love to chat about it. They love it. And how do you approach, I guess, the mindset of failure? It sounds like you've done so many different things. It's more about exploring the ideas rather than, yeah, I would love to hear your thought process on that. Yeah. So what's brilliant about this, and we've spoken about some of the varied projects I've been a part of, is that when projects fail, they don't fail spectacularly. Like the fact we're not talking about them are the projects that almost certainly did fail. Yeah, if things don't work, they often don't work with, with a bit of a whimper rather than with a bang. For example, I've held events before and I just didn't get much traction. I just thought this could be a really big, exciting new thing. And you hold it and you get some lukewarm interest and you hold it again and even less and then you just stop doing it. I think that the key to that is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Have a few different ideas on the go that you can explore. That when there's funding available, you can pursue. When there's a partnership, that can bring it to life. So just don't treat failure as this thing I'm working on didn't work, but one of these things I'm working on didn't work. That's great advice. And Julian, if, if there's probably a lot of people who are thinking about supporting an existing organization or actually starting something themselves, for those who are thinking about supporting, are there any good organizations that, that you think that would be good to get involved with? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, Supporting organisations, how I started, I worked in this sector for many years before I went and kicked off my own thing. And that, I probably needed that to get the confidence to go out there and start a business myself. Whereas some of the students that I work with are launching their own ventures out of university. And it's just so inspiring to see people you know, invent the world's thinnest portable monitor and bring it to life and kickstart really well. So volunteering and spending time on the issue that you care about is a, is a great thing to do. My, my advice would actually be to reach out to people. Don't necessarily look for a volunteer spot or a grad job here, but actually start to communicate and be engaged in the sectors that you want to work in. These days, there's a Facebook group and online community for anything. Being there, being active as part of that and literally saying, I'm really interested in this cause. I would love to learn more. Who's got some advice on people I could talk to and whatever. And in my experience, that's where a lot of the great opportunities come from. Just being known and being out there and being connected. Another tip is that your expertise might be valued more in places that are a bit unusual. And what I mean by that is, for example, I was part of an international development and technology organization. And we had access to so many designers and so many architects and so many engineers, but we loved videographers. We love photographers. So that may not feel like a natural fit, but in one sense, your skills will be valued more in a place that they're rare. So I urge people to think a bit outside the box and say, where could I add the most value? Not just where can I you know, gain the most experience? Yeah, that's really good advice. I was wondering about what your goals are next with Unbound. It sounds like you've been running it for just over four years now. You know, what's, what's the 10 year vision for Unbound? if we were going to zoom ahead. Obviously, COVID yeah. settled down in that time. That's right. We're in a weird spot now to be doing that reflection because you're right. An organization that gets large groups of people and travels to Asia is perhaps the worst business to be in right now. So at the moment, yeah, things are on pause as far as that side of things go. But what's been really exciting is that it means we have focused a lot more on this innovation and um, technology development part of it. So some things I'm really excited about in the short to medium term is 
to look. As someone who's traveled a lot and has contributed too many carbon emissions via flights, I really am interested in how do we move more sustainably and being part of a group that's shaping what that is and what that looks like. Look, I've got some ambitious projects around designing sustainable vehicles on the go. I've got this land speed record attempt that will probably happen later this year. But what I really want to do is on that is to try to encourage people to yeah, move more sustainably and to rethink how we move. This urban mobility, micro-mobility stuff, it's going to be a really fascinating topic, particularly in Australia as we come out of a massive bushfire season and COVID, where I think people will be just a bit hesitant to jump onto mass transit, onto um, trams and packed trains are not going to be popular for, for some time to come. So what are the alternatives? Scooters, skateboards, bikes, etc. Absolutely. And are you looking for any partnerships or any volunteers right now? Is there any plugs that we can do for any of the projects that you're working in? Look, we're always open to collaborate. Some of the best connections have just been through people that are interested in what we do and, and vice versa. So yeah, people are interested. My name's Julian O'Shea and our website is unbound.edu.au. Feel free to come and say good day. Awesome. And Julian, any final advice for anyone who is about to venture out and start something or get involved with something? Have fun with it is the advice. This should be a process that you enjoy. And what does that mean? It means often finding people that you really love spending time with. It means choosing issues and causes that you're truly happy to stay up till 3am reading about because it interests you. If you have fun doing it, if you're excited by it, that comes through in everything you do. So make your life easier, make your life happier, do things that you really love and the impact and the um, scale and size will all follow. Awesome. Julian, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Real pleasure. Cheers. Well, that's another episode of Everyday Changemakers. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means a lot. If you can hit the subscribe button on the podcast player of your choice, that would be greatly appreciated. And head on over to djmgrowth.com forward slash everyday dash changemakers to get the latest show notes. Thank you so much.